Hare 
जयोम विष्णुपाद परम हमने से परिव्राज कचार्य अष्टोत्तरश्री श्रीमद डिवाइन ग्रे सभय चरणारविंद भक्ति वेदांत स्वामीशल प्रभुपाद की अनंत कोटि वैष्णव वृंद की ग्रंथराज श्रीमद्भागवतम की गौर प्रेमानंदे ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ग्रंथराश्रम भागवतम कैंटो सिक्स चैप्टर सेवेंटीन इंटाइटल मदर पार्वती कर्सिस चित्रकेतु टेक्स्ट ट्वेंटी फाइव श्रीशुक उवाच प्रसाद गिरीशौ चित्रकेतुरंदम जगाम स्वभिमान पश्यतस्मयस्त श्रीशुक उवाच प्रसादिरीशौ चित्रकेतुरंदम जगाम स्वभिमान पश्यतस्मयस्त श्रीशुक उवाच प्रसादिरीशौ चित्रकेतुरंदम जगाम स्वभिमान पश्यतस्मयस्त
Shatos, Mayatos, Tayo. After satisfying Girishau, Lord Shiva and his wife Parvati, Chitraketu, King Chitraketu, Arimdama, O King Parikshit, who are always able to subdue the enemy, Jagam went away. Swavimanena by his own airplane. Pashato were watching. Smayato were smiling. Tayo by Lord Shiva and Parvati. Translation his divine grace is Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Prabhupada. Shri Shukadeva Goswami continued, O King Parikshit, subduer of the enemy, after Chitraketu satisfied Lord Shiva and his wife Parvati, he boarded his airplane and left as they looked on. When Lord Shiva and Parvati saw that Chitraketu, although informed of the curse, was unafraid, they smiled, being fully astonished by his behavior. This verse has no purport. We read the next two verses. Tatastu Bhagavan Rudro Rudrani Midamabravit Devarshi Daitya Siddhanam Parshadanam Chashunvatam. Thereafter, in the presence of the great sage Narada, 
the demons, the inhabitants of Siddhaloka and his personal associates. Lord Shiva, who is most powerful, spoke to his wife Parvati while they all listened. Shirudravacha Trishtavati Asi Shushroni Harer Adbhuta Karmanaha Mahatmyam Vritya Vrityanam Nispruhanam Mahatmanam It's a translation purport by His Divine Grace, Shila Prabhupada. Lord Shiva said, My dear beautiful Parvati, have you seen the greatness of the Vaishnavas? Being servants of the servant of the Supreme Personality of God Hari, they are great souls and are not interested in any kind of material happiness. Purport. Lord Shiva, the husband of Parvati, told his wife, My dear Parvati, you are very beautiful in your bodily features. Certainly you are glorious. But I do not think you can compete with the beauty and glory of devotees who have become servants of the servants of the Supreme Personality of God. Of course, Lord Shiva smiled when he joked with his wife in that way. For others cannot speak like that. The Supreme Lord, Shiva continued, is always exalted in his activities. And here is another example of his wonderful influence upon King Chitraketu, his devotee. You see, although you cursed the king, he was not at all afraid or sorry. Rather, he offered respect to you, called you mother and accepted your curse, thinking himself faulty. He did not say anything in retaliation. This is the excellence of a devotee. By mildly tolerating your curse, he has certainly excelled the glory of your beauty and your power to curse him. <clears throat> I can impartially judge that this devotee Chitraketu has defeated you and your excellence simply by becoming a pure devotee of the Lord. As stated by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Tarora Pisahishnana. Just like a tree, a devotee can tolerate all kinds of curses and reverses in life. This is the excellence of a devotee. Indirectly, Lord Shiva forbade Parvati to commit the mistake of cursing a devotee like Chitraketu. He indicated that although she was powerful, the king, without showing any power, had excelled her power by his tolerance. Om Agyanati Mirandhasya Gyananjani Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishthaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirbishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Vanchakal Patarubhyascha Kripasindhubhyayevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna. Hare Krishna. So today morning we're coming towards the conclusion of this multi-chapter saga of Chitraketu and Ritrasar. And here, after Chitraketu has gracefully accepted the curse given by Parvati and has departed. The 
response of Lord Shiva is being described. First is described Mayato. And both of them were smiling. This, this smile was in amazement. And then, it's not just smiling, but there are active words of appreciation spoken. And it is described that Lord Shiva spoke this in public. So he didn't directly criticize Parvati for having cursed uh, Lord uh, Chitraketu, but he highlighted the glory of Chitraketu. You know, there are different ways of correcting people. One way is that you just directly castigate them. So one devotee, I think I mentioned this in an earlier class, this devotee is a leader in one small community and he just used to lash out at everyone. And everybody used to feel very hurt and when I visited there, the devotees were telling that, you know, we just feel afraid of being in that devotee's presence. So then I, I talk with that, he says that, you know, if I don't criticize them, how will they develop humility? <laughs> so, you know, I explained, see, it is not our duty to make others humble. It is our duty to ourselves become humble. And life is complicated enough that life will make everyone humble. You know, if we start thinking, that for each of us, our duty to is make everyone else humble. You know, we will just have everybody not being humble, but being full of grumbles. <laughs> we'll be grumbling, rumbling and tumbling eventually. <laughs> we'll not be able to sustain our work. That's why it's amanina manadena. Although it is said, trunadapi sujya tarorapi sahishnuna, that there is humility and tolerance to be developed. But the way to develop it is not by humiliating others. It is not by chastising others and humiliating others. We offer respects uh, in our relationship with others. So one way we could criticize a person is just outright criticizing them. And that is not very helpful. That is alienating. But uh, a more helpful or cultured way of criticizing is if they are strongly speaking negative about somebody, then we, in a gentle but firm way, speak about the positives of that person. By that, what we are doing is, we're not directly saying that they are wrong, but we are pointing out, okay, you, this is what you think about this person, but you can see this side of the person also. This is what I see about that person. So, rather than criticizing somebody for doing something wrong, we try to change the conceptions that led to that criticism. And that's how, it's a more refined way of doing it. Rather than telling somebody don't do something, we'd help them see that how their words, their actions are based on an incomplete understanding. Uh, that is also a very helpful way of functioning. If we always tend to find faults with someone, when we see someone, just, just the way they smile, the way this is, the smile is so oily and fishy. You know, <laughs> it's like a typical secretary's artificial smile. It may not be, but you just think it's like that. Sometimes we just hear somebody's voice and we feel it is, it is such a tinny kind of voice or whatever. We come up with some derogatory label for that. Sometimes some people just by just being with them annoys us. We feel negative about them. And if that happens, that's unfortunate, but that's the way human psychology is. We all have conditioned minds.
so if we are not able to see anything positive in that person then it is helpful to talk with somebody else who sees positive in that person and it's harmful to have see some talk with somebody else who also sees negative in that person because then we will just compound it it will 1 plus 1 will not become 2 it will become 11 <laughs> and we will end up uh it is you know i sometimes used to think that what happens when two judgmental people come together like a is very judgmental and b is also very judgmental now what happens is they don't judge each other they come together and enjoy judging the whole world <laughs> so yeah yes sometimes we may have some grievances and we may talk with somebody else also has similar grievances that's a different thing it is we are trying to address the issue not condemn the person mm -hmm. but in general lord shiva is demonstrating over here that oh you misunderstood chitraketu and he is doing it in a very cultured way so one aspect of culture is to actually always be respectful even if somebody has done something wrong correct them or point out their wrongs in a respectful way mm. now going backwards slightly we see chitraketu's graceful reaction in the previous verse he says that i accept your curse he says that atha atha prasadaye natvam shaap mokshaya bhamini yanmanyase ya asadhu asaduktam mam tad shamyatam sati so he says that i'll not ask you to free me from this curse if at all you feel i have done something wrong asadhita then mam tam shamyatam sati that please forgive me for that so he has already been cursed and we could say the curse was unfair but still he is saying that you forgive me if i have done something wrong and he does not counter curse he does not try to counter the curse two different things counter curse is i curse you back counter the curse means i try to stop the curse from affecting me hmm? but he does not neither he just he just walks away from there so what is going on over here here he is exhibiting the virtue of tolerance and in one sense this past time has a remarkably personal resonance for parikshit maharaj because parikshit maharaj was also similarly cursed for a minor indiscretion and now which curse is better which curse is worse to go to a demoniac life and who knows how long one is going to be in that demoniac life or to be sentenced to die in 70 days well it's just it's very difficult to assess these things the point is when we see others distresses it is easier to is easier to tolerate our own distresses now misery loves company we say now this has two different meanings usual meaning is that miserable people try to make others miserable so somebody is somebody is complaining and they just can't tolerate that everybody else is happy mm -hmm. that that's one understanding but misery loves company in a positive sense it can also mean that when we are in misery when we see that you know i am not alone that makes the misery more bearable that when we feel that i have not been singled out 
and that is a repeated theme of the bhagavatam to show parikshit maharaj that that he has not been singled out there are many bad things that have happened throughout history to people the later on uh, the key verse in the bhagavatam will be padam padam yad vipadam natisham prabhupad would often quote that at every step there is danger in the world and that is illustrated through the various stories in the bhagavatam uh, dhruva maharaj was in the safety of his home and not just in the home in the safety of the palace so palace is physically the safest place but there a grievous insult came upon him and he was shattered mm-hmm. anga after great effort got a son who would be his heir and successor and that son turned out to be brutal so in his own family in his own progeny a great danger befell him somebody think oh it's in family life there are all dangers well no bharat maharaj went out to the forest and in a forest a danger befell him chitraketu came in the presence of an august personality sometimes we say okay you know people around me are materialistic people around me are neophyte devotees that's why there are problems but here chitraketu went in the association of a, of a great devotees exalted people there was shiva and parvati and still danger befell him and then we move forward forward we see bali maharaj did a great activity he gave charity in the presence of the supreme lord to the supreme lord and still danger befell him <laughs> so <laughs> in one sense danger is there in for everyone the gopis they left everything for krishna and then krishna left them and they were left all alone in the dangerous forest they were both in physical emotional physical and emotional danger in great agony so danger can come upon anyone anywhere in the world so the dangers can be physical dangers which of course we need to do practical things to protect ourselves but there can be also emotional danger and spiritual dangers so when i give these examples they are of various kinds of dangers bharat maharaj the danger for him which he befell was a spiritual danger whereas for dhruva it was more of a material emotional danger emotional danger so there can be different kinds of dangers but the principle is that the material world is not not a safe place and nothing in itself can guarantee that it will become a safe place so i will speak today on a somewhat delicate topic of how there can be danger even in the association of devotees normally we think that association is the protection and yes it is but bhakti is dynamic it's a matter of a relationship with krishna and there is no formula that can protect our devotion so we'll try to and i'll take this in three parts first is how does association protect then second is how the very things that protect us in how the very things about association that protect us can also endanger us and then lastly and how we can actually seek protection through association so generally when we talk about association and its protection we can it can refer to many things in the devotee community we may get support we may get assistance we may get kindness and all that is nice but essentially if you look at the bhagavatam the bhagavatam talks about protection the association in two main terms it protects us from material desires 
and it surcharges us with spiritual desires. That we, much, many of our actions are determined by the social circles around us. Because we are social creatures, we want to be accepted and respected in whatever social circle we belong to. For, small ch for children, if they go from one place to another place, they go to a new school. There are already groups of various students in the school. But they want a sense of belonging. We all need that. It's not just children, everyone needs that. So often, in order to gain acceptance in a group, we have to conform to that group. So of course, we don't want to lose our individuality entirely, but still some amount of conformity, some amount of uh, harmonization with that group is required. Sometimes the word conformity has a negative connotation. But I deliberately use that here because that is required in one sense. We may not like to do certain things. So if a student goes into a university where, say, everybody smokes and drinks and does drugs, then just to belong to that, a student may have to do that. They may not like to do it. There is something called social drinking, where people drink because that's the way to socialize. So, but the thing is that if the association around us is good, is filled with people who are having values and principles, higher values and higher principles, then conformity to that association actually brings out our higher self. So when we are associating with devotees, if we start wasting time, if we start indulging in selfish pleasures, we start giving in to anger or greed or jealousy or craving, then devotees will express their disapproval, maybe through gestures, maybe through words, and that will deter us. And that is a good thing. So, association protects us by creating boundaries for our worldly indulgence. That certain forms of indulgences are accepted, but certain forms are not accepted. And when those boundaries are created, then it becomes relatively easier to uh, stick to those boundaries. Uh, boundaries are created not just by our own will, but by the association around us. So if somebody has decided that, uh, okay, I'm not going to overeat, but if they're all alone and there's a fridge filled with delicacies, then they get a little bored and think, okay, well, let me eat one, two, three, four. They may take a small piece of cake, they may take a piece of pizza, and then just keep eating, keep eating. They may not realize it. But if we are with someone else, and if that person sees, okay, they may, they may be polite also, you know, you seem to have an impressive appetite. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so, okay, we'll get the message. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll curve ourselves to some extent. So, sometimes good association can protect us from pandering to our lower urges, lower impulses. So, that's one way association protects us. Another way association protects us is by energizing us with spiritual desires. The desire to serve Krishna, desire to love Krishna, the desire to glorify Krishna, the desire to share Krishna, all these are what define a devotee. And these desires are extremely difficult to get. Generally, our desires don't just grow linearly. They grow triangularly. What I mean by this, linear means, say, 
with respect to objects that are visible and visibly enjoyable. Hmm? Say, if there is some delicious food item, you just see it, we get a desire to eat it. Hmm? But, somebody sees a Bhagavad Gita. How many people just seeing the Bhagavad Gita? Oh, I want to read it. Well, some special souls might be there who might get that desire. But for most of us, you know, we may have a Bhagavad Gita, as we often say, people take Bhagavad Gita as it is and then keep it as it is. <laughs> 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 so, it's generally when we associate with some devotees and they share the wisdom of the Gita and they, and they share some fresh insights, they share some wisdom and they seem to be getting so much out of the Gita. You may start thinking, what is there in this book? Let me find out. So, the desire, especially for things that may not seem to be materially attractive, that that desire grows not linearly but triangularly. Linearly means just looking at that object doesn't create the desire. But looking at someone who is relishing that object, someone who is having a taste for that object, that triggers our desire, that desire within us. So association energizes us with spiritual desires. We may come to the temple and we may say, see devotees making garlands for the Lord. And we may think, okay, it's nice. But then we see devotees sitting for hours and doing that. And we pay so much attention, you see. What is there in this? Let me also try it out. And then we start developing that desire for serving and experiencing Krishna through service. So primarily devotion protects us in, association protects us in these two ways. Of course, association protects us in other ways also. If we are having some difficulties, then devotees come and help us. Uh, they may be there for us when we are in having some, some health crisis or some other kind of challenges. So that is, that is there, but that is secondary. There are many other social groups also which can provide that kind of support. That doesn't mean devotee association shouldn't provide that. We should, but that's not the primary purpose of valuing devotee association. However, so that, that's the first point I said, how association protects. The, the nature of the world is, in, because the material world is limited, nothing in this world is a pure blessing. Every blessing comes with a flip side. And those same two things, I said, protecting us from our worldly indulgences and energizing with the spiritual, energizing with spiritual, us with spiritual desires, those two same two things can sometimes become an obstacle or an impediment in our devotion. Why? Because that first thing, curbing the social disapproval that sometimes protects us or uh, that checks us from giving into our lower impulses, that itself can lead to judgmentality. That can lead to an excessively judgmental attitude. Different people, even in the devotee community, are at different levels in their spiritual evolution. They are at different situations in their social life, their professional life. So different people may have different levels of needs, different levels of desires. And if if one standard is imposed on everyone, if a one-size-fit-all formula is put on everyone, then that can make a lot of people feel left out. So, so for example, some devotee, some devotees may do a lot of service and they may sleep for four or five hours. Some devotees may need seven, eight hours of sleep. 
Now, if somebody starts feeling or is made to feel guilty, oh, you sleep so much. Well, yeah, that's what the body needs. You know, we all can. We want to do as much service as we can, but we can't cheat the body artificially. If we don't sleep at the right time, we will sleep at the wrong time. <laughs> so, sometimes we may just feel too judged. Sometimes living in association can seem like we are living in a microscope, under a microscope. Every single thing that we are doing is observed and evaluated and critiqued. And then we, can, we start feeling... Uh, we start feeling repressed, we may start feeling, uh, we start feeling uh, inhibited by that. Now some way, as I said, checking ourselves from our lower impulses are good. But we all have our level at which we are and our pace at which we will grow. Not everybody can grow at that same pace. So therefore, there needs to be understanding and accommodation. Srila Prabhupada himself created the space. When he came back to India, he, he, he hoped and he expected that Indians would be attracted by seeing Western people practicing bhakti. And yes, they were attracted. But they were, though they were attracted, they didn't become committed. Committed in the same way that Srila Prabhupada expected that Western disciples had become committed at that time. The sense of, you know, started chanting 16 rounds, or become committed, initiated disciples and followers. Many reasons for this. One of them, they already felt, they were already pious. Many of them were comfortable in their piety. Many of them were already influential people in society who already were aligned with some other spiritual path, were initiated by some other gurus, many factors. But the fact is that they didn't become committed to Srila oh, Prabhupada like his disciples. So Prabhupada, didn't harangue them all the time, every time they would meet. How many rounds are you chanting? Nothing like that. Prabhupada created a system for them to be accommodated. And that was a life membership system. Make some contributions to the temple. You get, get Shastra, Prabhupada's books in your house. And then you get a facility to come and stay in the temple. You may think you are already spiritual. But if you come and stay in the temple, you will see how, what serious spiritual life is all about. How, how devotees do sadhana, how devotees are so dedicated. And that may inspire them to grow. So in one sense, there is a thin line between helping people by guarding them against their lower impulses and imposing our judgments on people. So we need to help those who want to be helped. If somebody doesn't want to be helped in a particular way, yeah, we, we are a particular movement with particular standards. So we want to follow those, those standards. But that doesn't mean we have to demean or demonize those who can't follow those standards. They can also be accepted at appropriate level. But if that doesn't happen, then people feel judged and they, get, they feel driven away by that. So that's how association can sometimes be, be harmful. For, uh, for someone's spiritual growth. I was at <clears throat> one program and uh, attending a I was attending a class. There was one Western devotee, Western person who had just come for the first time to the temple. One of the first times. And he was sitting next to me, we were hearing a class. So this devotee wanted to ask a question. 
He said, Prabhu, and then suddenly the devotee sitting next to him, he almost slapped him on his thigh. He's not a Prabhu, he's a Maharaj. Don't offend him. <laughs> now, this, this best way, you know, he, he's just so new and in his own way he's trying to offer respect. He's using a, he's even, he's a Western person who has uh, learned the address, form of address, Prabhu. And it's using that. But what happens is, in, in pointing out that this devotee was not respecting the speaker, this, this particular devotee was not respecting that devotee. <laughs> so, it is, the, the intention might be good. But, as it is often said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So our intention, good intention is never a license or a, is ne can never be a rationalization for bad judgment, bad intelligence. Sometimes we think that I am a good devotee and my intentions are good, therefore everything should, whatever I do is good. No, we have to use our intelligence. And so, so sometimes we, by expecting or insisting on certain standards from some people, who may not be ready for it, association itself can become an obstacle. Hmm. And secondly, with respect to spiritual desires. Yes, association does give us spiritual desires. But one of the challenges is that devotees are individuals. And different devotees may be inspired differently to serve Krishna. And depending on, say, a particular group, it could be a temple, it could be a Bhakti Vrusha group, it could be a smaller outreach center. Each, each initiative for the growth of bhakti is guided by a devotee or a group of devotees. And they have a particular mood. And that's natural. Prabhupada wanted the Krishna consciousness movement to be decentralized so that different devotees could practice bhakti according to their inspiration. Prabhupada did not want, say, the GBC to micro-control every center. So, in one sense, that's good. But then what may happen is, if a particular place has a particular emphasis, or a particular group has a particular emphasis, in some places, the whole focus is on building temples. And somebody who may be a little more, more scripturally inclined, a little more intellectually inclined, they may feel that, they may want to study scripture and they want to share scriptural wisdom. And if the others, they out there feel that, no, okay, why do you spend so much time studying scripture? You know, we should do service to the Lord. We should build a glorious temple for the Lord. How much funds have you got for the Lord's temple? Now, it is not that the other devotees are, are materialistic. They may also be earnest in their desire to serve Krishna. But different devotees can have different definitions of success in bhakti. So for one devotee, they, f they feel that I have done some service when, you know, maybe there's a more beautiful altar for the Lord. Maybe the Lord has some expensive jewels. Maybe there's a grander temple for the Lord. That's when the devotee feels that I've done some service. Some other devotee may feel that, okay, when I memorized the verse, when I understood a section of the Bhagavatam, when some difficult concept, which I couldn't get. Now, not only I understand, but I can articulate it properly. That's when I've done some service. So some devotees may feel that, oh, when I distribute books, that's when I have done some service. So, this is actually Krishna reciprocating with different devotees. This is not just their individual subjective feelings. Because even our individuality and subjectivity is given to us by Krishna.
बिकॉज वी आर इंडिविजुअल्स इटर्नली मम्मी वामशो जीव लोके जीवभूता सन्नातन सो बट द प्रॉब्लम इज वेन कृष्णा रेसिप्रोकेट्स विथ आज इन अ पर्टिकुलर वे वी वी सकम टू द टेम्पटेशन ऑफ थिंकिंग दैट दिस इज द वे एवरी वन शुड कनेक्ट विथ कृष्णा बट कृष्णा इज अनलिमिटेड एंड कृष्णा कैन रेसिप्रोकेट विथ डिफरेंट डिवोटीज इन डिफरेंट वेज so even the spirit so we could say there is the desire to serve krishna and there are the desires to serve krishna the desire is the broad principle that we all should serve krishna but by desires i refer to specific ways different devotees serve krishna so what association should do is infuse within us the desire to serve krishna and the specific desire should be according to our particular individuality that's what we may be inspired and of course initially we need, need to do what our authorities and guides tell us to do that we develop the service attitude and then eventually our individuality will manifest and we'll be able to serve according to our inspiration but sometimes if what we are inspired to do and what is emphasized in the devotee community are radically different then again we may feel choked in that devotee community so it is here asos we may feel not at home in association generally we feel lonely when we are all alone when nobody is with us we may feel lonely in the pandemic a lot of people experience mental health problems because we are social creatures and being lonely is is not very conducive for us but actually there is a more damaging form of loneliness than just being physically alone that is we feel loneliest when we are surrounded by people who don't understand us if we surrounded by people but just their maybe what they value is so different that we just can't connect with them then we feel lonely and sometimes that can happen in devotee association also that can also happen because say we are serving in a particular way we want to serve in a particular way others are serving in a different way that can also happen because so so in the case of chitraketu coming to this particular example what happened is that chitraketu laughed now that laugh was out of appreciation out of amazement at what we saw but parvati devi saw it thought of it different way he is mocking us he is mocking me he's mocking mocking lord shiva and therefore she got angry and she cursed him so misunderstandings can happen even in the association of great devotees that it's just human nature we are all finite we are all fallible and we tend to arrive at judgments and this becomes e- this arriving at judgments now this can sometimes become even more acute more severe as we become advanced devotees or as we think we become advanced devotees because see the more advanced we think we have become the more we start thinking that my judgments are actually not my judgments they are coming from krishna that we start thinking i have a hotline to krishna <laughs> and we think that when i have a particular opinion it is not matir mama it is matir krishna 
it is not not matir matam mama it is not my opinion it is krishna's opinion well maybe maybe not and even if it is it is krishna's opinion it need not be krishna's only opinion isn't it krishna is unlimited so he can pursue the issue from different perspectives so this is where, when this happens then the judgmentality can become very high and it's not just being a judgmental we are actually we are self righteous about being judgmental because we think i am doing the right thing so that judgmentality can very easily alienate others so from one perspective uh, judgment is valuable not judgment is bad because we all need judgment you cannot function without without having some amount of capacity to discern what is good what is bad but judgmentality means the difference between difference between judgment and judgmentality it's a whole big subject but two quick points is one is haste and permanence haste means judgment the judgmentality is there we hastily fix labels on others and then once we have fixed a label we keep the label permanent <laughs> that means this is a short tempered person that that person may in 10 future occasions be very even tempered you will say this is just a show the real person will come out soon <laughs> <laughs> so that that's how sometimes in the association of devotees itself there could be problems so then what do we do how can we does, does that mean that we go away from devotee association no that's not the solution so one devotee was once telling me that he heard some class on the dangers of committing offenses to devotees this is the other opposite you know when we say see in our tradition we don't talk about judgmentality so much but we do talk about offenses and essentially the mentality that leads to offenses is judgmentality when we are too judgmental about others that's when we commit offenses so this devotee sometimes so generally what happens is when we are inspired by a particular topic we may speak with great uh, vigor and fire on that topic when we speak on one topic we may emphasize that as the most important topic so he heard some class on the many dangers of vaishnava aparadh and he said he came and told me when i am thinking that you know if if committing offense is so dangerous then the best way to avoid offenses is to avoid association <laughs> well that's like one of my devotee friends he started working in a he started working in a uh, in a food store so at that time they had like a crash course on the various forms of how food can get spoiled how food poisoning can happen so he said after i heard about all the ways food can become poison i thought should i even eat food or not <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that there is danger but just as, just because food can poison us sometimes that doesn't mean you stop eating food so similarly just yeah sometimes in association of devotees we may commit offenses but that doesn't mean we give up association so that is not the solution it is or it is a solution that is a worse 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 than the problem we can say so what is the solution actually within our tradition itself there are resources for to guide us our acharya the path of bhakti that we are following and the challenges that we are facing it's not that the, we are the first people facing this challenge mm -hmm. again misery loves company so in the past also there are great souls and people who are not so great souls who have gone along this path they have faced those challenges 
and they have given us guidelines how to face those challenges. So Rupa Goswami says that we need not just association, but like-minded association. Sajatya Ashay Bhagavad Bhakta Sangha. That we need like-minded association. So I'll conclude. We're talking about what do we mean by like-minded association. So broadly, three characteristics of like-minded association. That means, first is that, although we say that our mind is, can be our enemy, but still, the, our mind is not like an ordinary external enemy that we can annihilate or we can, we can ex exile. Our mind is going to be with us. And it is a part of us. So in one way to understand, the mind is like a child. Child can be mischievous, child can be dangerous. But it is our child and we need to help the child to grow up. So the same child who can be a source of mischief and danger, that child when they grow up, a child can be a source of responsibility and assistance also. That's how our mind grows from being an enemy to a friend. So like-minded means that when we have like-minded association, that means we get how the other person's mind works. Sometimes when, when we ask a question, so we may ask a question to different devotees and different devotees may answer in different ways. And some devotees' answers, they make sense to us. Some devotees' answers, they just, you know, okay, I heard the answer, but you know, I just don't understand what the answer was. So we feel as if our issue was not addressed at all. So sometimes some answers are meant to address the issue and some answers are meant to stop the discussion. It's like in my early days, I used to have a lot of questions. When I went with uh, one of my spiritual guides on a, on a train tour from Pune to Mumbai, we are going to Mumbai temple. So I said, can I ask some questions? He said, yeah, sure. And then I had like, Two full skip pages from top to bottom filled with questions. <laughs> so he saw those questions. He said, probably we'll need a dozen trips to Mumbai to Mumbai to Pune to discuss this. <laughs> so I used to ask a lot of questions. And then one day I asked one devotee a question. And that devotee says, I have been observing you for a long time. You have a lot of questions. <laughs> you know, he says, you know, doubts are demons. <laughs> and Samshayatma Vinashyati. The doubting soul will be destroyed. It will find no happiness in this world or the next world. So, <laughs> so he says, uh, as your well-wisher, I am telling you, uh, be careful. Don't ask so many questions. So, I was a little taken aback. So, rather than answering my question, the whole answer was a lecture about the dangers of asking questions. <laughs> So at that time I didn't have the scriptural knowledge to understand, but I decided I'm never going to ask this devotee any questions again. <laughs> so later on, I understood the difference between prashna and samshaya. Prashna is questions. And we see in the Bhagavatam, prashna is always appreciated. Munaya sadhu prishtoham bhavadbir lokamangalam yatkritak krishna samprishno yenatma suprasidati. So questions, they open the doors to understanding. And questions help us grow. Whereas samshaya, doubts, doubts are, the way doubt is explained in scripture, or when doubts are disapproved, doubts center on 
skepticism about the subject and suspicion about the authority. That's the idea. You know, the subject is really not worth inquiring about, and his authority is just speaking some something worthless, something hocus pocus. So that kind of that kind of attitude is disapproved. But at that time, I understood that you know, okay, this is not the kind of devotee whom I can ask questions. So we need to find like-minded association. That like-minded association, first characteristic is that we understand how their mind works. That means we will hear from different devotees and we respect all devotees. But some devotees will say the way they explain, we can connect with it. We, we like it, we relish it. And that is, the, that is the advantage of the diversity in the bhakti community. Now we have many shiksha gurus and we can find the shiksha gurus with whom we can connect, whom inspire us. So that's the first thing that we get how their mind works. Then secondly, second part is, they get how our mind works. That means when we ask questions, uh, then they understand where we are coming from. They understand what kind of questions we are asking. So sometimes having people from a similar background helps. So if somebody is from a scientific background and they, they, they connect with a devotee who is also from a scientific background, then they can understand where the question is coming from. And they can answer those questions. Somebody is from a more artistic, creative background. And then they may have particular kind of questions from that background, from that perspective. And then those, the, somebody who ha is sensitized to that particular approach of looking at reality, they can answer questions accordingly. So, we, under they, we understand the way their mind works and they understand how our mind works. But there's one more important thing. They also, like-minded association means, they also help us understand how our mind works. See, our mind is not infallible. And we cannot base all our judgments on our mind alone. We need to understand that sometimes the way we think is deficient. So, if there is some deficiency in the way our mind, we are trying to figure out things, then we, we need to be explained that in a way that makes sense to us. So, they help us understand how our mind works. You are thinking like this, this is right about this, but we know this uh, here, this, you're doing something wrong in this. So, I studied my Bhakti Shastri uh, with Purnachandra Maharaj. He has departed from the world now. So, when the first time he came to Pune at that time, I asked him a lot of questions. And then, he, he gave me a nickname. He said, you are Prashna Sagar. <laughs> Ocean of questions. And then, uh, next time he came back for the second, second module, I said, Mrs. Maharaj, I troubled you with a lot of questions. I hope I won't trouble you so much. He yeah. said, I'm certain you won't trouble you so, so much. I said, okay, I'm a little taken aback by that answer. He said, you know, you, you, it's one year since I came last time. I'm sure, you know, one year practice of bhakti will have softened your heart. So then he said, you need to understand that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is not an engineering object to be analyzed. <laughs> He's a person to be loved. So definitely analysis has its role. Later on I talked with other devotees and then I understood the concept that there is rational, there is irrational and there is transrational. There is a reality which is above rationality and there is a reality which is below rationality. That doesn't mean we reject rationality, but there are some truths which go beyond human rationality. And that is a defining principle of the omnipotence of God. 
if we could understand all everything about god with our intelligence that jiva goswami explains the problem with that is that would make our intelligence supreme it would not mean it would not let god be supreme if god is supreme means he superior to everything that means everything includes our intelligence also so they so like minded association means that which association which helps us understand helps us understand how our mind works the strength and the weaknesses of the way our mind works also and we may not get a lot of association like that but even if we get one devotee who who is like minded that devotee can be our solace our shelter our guide our friend and we we respect all devotees we try to have polite interactions with everyone but we can't be very intimate with everyone if we try to do that we will drain ourselves it's not possible but that doesn't mean that we cannot be close to anyone at all so when we find out like minded association we see that as a special blessing of krishna and we cherish that blessing in shila prabhupad he he carried on the mantle of his spiritual master and more than any of his god brothers but when he came back to india what happened was that some of his god brothers were very appreciative of the work that he had they they were they lavishly praised him for and recognized him for the way he had carried on maktisdas thakur's mission but some of some of the other god brothers they they were uh, they were not so appreciative well it says you know bhaktan swami is doing this which is different from what the way we prabhupad did this and they did this and you know he's teaching these basic things but we will teach you more advanced things so some of them tried to poach some of prabhupad's disciples so at that time prabhupad told them very strongly you know don't associate with this devotee hmm? don't his own god brothers they were they don't associate with them and prabhupad even spoke strongly about very strongly negatively about one particular god brother of his and then after after some time that god brother passed away so then some of his disciples came to prabhupad i said prabhupad you know where did that person go you know as devotees sometimes we get a get a kind of perverse joy in knowing the terrible destinations of terrible people you know it's we don't know we don't know everything about a person we we don't know we cannot with guarantee say that this person is going to this destination that is in prabhupad was very grave prabhupad said he went back to god you were so shocked is prabhupad you spoke so so strongly negatively about him so prabhupad was grave and he said that i spoke that way for your protection but he he said my spiritual master is very powerful and in his own way he served my spiritual master throughout his life so my spiritual master taken him back to god so he prabhupad was able to see that means you know the same interaction from the point of view of his disciples and protecting his service to his spiritual master prabhupada very strong I mean critical but in terms of seeing that devotee's relationship with his spiritual master prabhupad was appreciative prabhupada recognized that so sometimes because two devotees may not be like minded there may be differences of opinion and when there are differences of opinion there can be there can be conflicts there can be sometimes strong criticism now we try to avoid that as much as possible even when that is there that criticism we need to know that that should not completely blind us to the devotional dimension of that devotee they are still devotees that try to try to serve krishna 
and sometimes you may need some space we need some distance some space we do what is required for protecting our bhakti but more importantly we make sure that we maintain respect for those devotees with whom we may not have such pleasant interactions so we see chitraketu he respected parvati he said if i have offended you please forgive me and he went on his own journey so sometimes we may have to do our service and our service may be somewhat different from the way somebody else is serving and they may not approve now we can introspect to check that maybe am i doing something wrong or am i doing some what we all can say we can improve what we are doing that's true but if we are overall with the blessings of senior devotees we are trying to serve earnestly and if some devotees just don't appreciate what we are doing then that's okay respect them from a distance and move on with our life so that's why the most important practical principle for us at our level is anukulyasa sankalpa pratikulyasya varchidum so how do we find like minded association that is we apply this principle in the in the association of devotees if we come do we feel enlivened do we feel eager to serve krishna more do we feel inspired energized to serve krishna or if by coming to association me coming in association but we feel we feel completely de-energized we start feeling you know i am so fallen i am so unworthy i am just good for nothing i just can't do any service at all so if that is the feeling we are getting then maybe that is not the healthiest for our devotion yes we want humility but humility should actually increase our intensity for serving krishna not take away our energy for serving krishna so if you start feeling i am so fallen that i can't serve krishna no i am i am so fallen therefore i want to serve krishna i need to serve krishna more and more so we have to look at the result anukulya sankalpa pratikulya savarjanam we see what nourishes us what energizes us with the desire to serve krishna we take that association we cherish that association and that way we will be protected we will be protected and we'll keep marching towards krishna through whatever dangers may come in our life sometimes because of the dangers so some devotees may misunderstand us many devotees may misunderstand us but we can always find like minded association mr prabhupad has created a house which is very big and we can say very diverse there are many different devotees with different inspirations and if we find like minded association then we can find we could say within this big house of shila prabhupad in our space where we can stay comfortably and also advance comfortably and that is how like minded association can not only protect us but also power us in our journey toward krishna so i'll summarize uh, i spoke bro initially i started by talking about this particular pastime where chitraketu is appreciate chitraketu is being appreciated by uh, lord shiva and in a cultured way he's pointing out the inadequacies of parvati's understanding and then i talked about the theme of how danger being everywhere in the world at home in a forest and even in association because misunderstandings can occur so then that was a the theme that how we, uh, how do we ensure that association protects us so first i discuss how does association protect us normally it is by by checking our pandering to our lower impulses we are social creatures and we want acceptance and accept to be accepted and respected in whatever social circle we are in so in devotee circle if we start indulging in a lower lower desires we will be we will get dis- be disapproved and that 
wanting to avoid that disapproval will check us but in the more positive sense devotees are inspired to serve krishna and desire for things that are not tangible tangibly pleasurable that doesn't generally come linearly it comes triangularly so seeing devotees inspired to serve krishna can inspire us to serve also so by both reining in our worldly desires and by powering our spiritual desires association can protect us but this so same two things can have a flip side so while reining in worldly desires sometimes devotees can become judgmental and expect one standard from everyone and demean or deride or even demonize anyone who does not stick to st- come up to that standard so prabhupada was able to include a wide variety of people from dedicated disciples to life members so we need to be more accepting people and avoid judgmentality certainly avoid the idea that my judgment is coming from krishna so then also devotees may be serving krishna but they may be inspired to serve krishna in one particular way and we may not be inspired if those if in a particular association everybody is imposed on it you have to serve krishna in this way only then we may feel a little choked so we need that's why to avoid, we need like minded association and like minded association means three things that we understand how their mind works they understand how our mind works and they help us understand how our mind works so they help us see the flaws sometimes in our reasoning and help us to re- understand things better and lastly i talked about so to find like minded association we need like choose the favorable anukulyasya sankalpa and avoid the unfavorable we never disrespect any devotee even if there are strong differences uh just like prabhupada saw and appreciated even those god brothers who were sometimes uh, whose association was not so healthy for his fault disciples but while respecting other devotees we can find our space through like minded association the space where we can be situated comfortably and we can also advance steadily thank you very much hare krishna so are there any questions or comments yes chakrampam Hare Krishna Prabhu. Uh, my question is, when you were talking about judgmentality, a lot of time we judge ourselves, like in a way, sometimes we judge ourselves, we think, oh, you know, we lo- know a lot of things, but when we look back at it, we actually didn't know nothing. And a lot of time we uh, put ourselves in a position where we think we're inferior, like we can't do this at a certain position, so how to avoid this judgmentality about ourselves? okay so when we judge ourselves we may sometimes think that i cannot do these things well th- th- there is humility or based on honesty there are some things which we can't do we can't just imagine that i'll be able to do those things now if somebody asks us you know, we are going for book distribution can you lift this lift this box and that box may be 40 kg maybe our capacity will lift 20 kg he say i can lift it and we lift it and 5 minutes later somebody else has to lift us and carry us to hospital <laughs> so we have to be honest about our uh, capacities but having said that sometimes we may beat ourselves down 
there may be certain standards which you expected to follow and we're not able to follow them and because of that we may beat ourselves down in judgment so there is it's it's important that we understand how love for krishna has to be holistic so holistic means if i'm going to love krishna i need to love all the parts of krishna and all the parts of krishna include this part of krishna so if i say that i love krishna and i look down upon myself i loathe myself i condemn myself then that is a serious deficiency in my love for krishna because among all the parts of krishna this part of krishna is the is the part that i am most responsible for so we don't we think about self love in the sense of being self congratulatory or being narcissistic but self love in the sense that this self is also a part of krishna and i need to care for this part that's why that verse where krishna talks about you know seeing ourselves from another another person's perspective uddhared atmanatmanam natmanam avsadayat 6.5 says elevate yourself with yourself don't degrade yourself with yourself so what that means is that we need to we need to have a healthy relationship with ourselves and our relationship with ourselves should be such that it is elevating us not that it is choking or suppressing us so we may be acutely aware of our faults our limitations but we need to also be conscious of whatever is good within us whatever talents we have whatever abilities we have whatever standards we are able to follow and use that as the basis for being progressive in our devotion just as we are told see good in others there are times when we need to see good in ourselves also of course there are times when we see only the good in others uh, sorry we see only the good in ourselves and don't see anything any problem with us that could also be a problem but if this is the problem that we are judging ourselves and uh, we are being filled with negativity about ourselves then we need to see both you know the holistic vision of love for krishna means to love ourselves by seeing the good within ourselves okay thank you hari krishna hari krishna bro pro like minded association uh, even to find like minded association or remain in like minded association we need to come out of our comfort zone like it's not na- uh, is it natural that like minded people will anyways attract each other and they will be in association or we have to put some efforts to even be in the like minded association where not everything okay. would be matching okay that's so true. how do we understand so like minded association does it rec- also require effort or does it happen automatically well it requires effort definitely see we if we are in com- our comfort zone as in we just oh i'll just wait some devotee will come and find me and i will have like my rasul well no we have to stretch ourselves but if you consider the the principle of exercising say when we want to do some exercise we have to stretch our muscles but there is a healthy way to stretch our muscles and there's an unhealthy way to stretch our muscles so if you're stretching our muscles in a in a healthy way in an unhealthy way then that exercise itself instead of improving our fitness can damage our fitness so similarly Uh, any doing anything worthwhile in life requires some amount of effort so we need to stretch ourselves we need to seek out that association make time for uh, may, uh, invest time in developing that relationship but we may find that some some relationships we just put in a lot of effort and there is no reciprocation on the other side so if that is happening then we may decide oh, this this is just like being like a energy sink for me nothing is coming out of it 
so then we may decide that okay i i won't spend so much time in that association but then other association we need to spend time on that so when i used to travel before the pandemic it was not just that i would travel and give classes across the world and travel i would meet many different devotees and i would also get their association she will see any devotees talk with them so when the when the pandemic started we naturally were giving all of us with on zoom we're giving classes but i was missing the association of senior devotees so that's how i i started this monks podcast so the idea was that um, that i also wanted association of senior devotees with whom i who, whose association i liked but it's it's easier for them also to make time they say just you know i want to talk with you for an hour okay they may give some time but they also interested in outreach so i said you know let's talk for an hour and then we'll make it in a forum in which we can share with others also so i tried to create that forum for association so we need to make some endeavor for that definitely okay thank you yes yes bhumukuntu so you talking about you know uh, judgmental and you know uh, trying to inspire being like minded people where we can get inspired mm-hmm. sometimes it can you know become uh, it can be a very difficult to strike that balance you know when we are trying to inspire someone but you know it might become they might perceive it as it's being judgmental um and you know and they you know so that can be difficult to strike that balance and we might not have that maturity of prabhupad where we can have that kind of you know yeah. bandwidth yeah that's true so sometimes we try to inspire others but they see it as judgmental yeah that's always a challenge so that's why relationships are so individual and you can say so unpredictable <laughs> so we may speak one word to somebody and they may feel very enlivened by this mm-hmm. so like and i i sometimes do as i am a writer i do some reviews for devotees who do the writings so i may say you know this, this this is good this is good and then you could improve this and some devotees feel very encouraged by that other devotees say you know that all the points you give for improvement that means my writing sucks well that was not my point <laughs> so we could speak the same things or in a similar vein but some devotees see it in a particular way some devotees see it in a different way so over a period of time i have learned you know so like some devotees i may give a lot of feedback and they appreciate it and some devotees i just give feed front no feedback <laughs> and with no only appreciation no room no room for improvement because sometimes that's what they need at that particular level maybe if somebody is very ins- feeling very insecure and they think whether i can even do this and if this we give them we appreciate them but we give them suggestions for what we can improve and they just focus on oh that means what i did was not good enough so then that's why in general when we we try to inspire also we need to interact with people and see how that inspiration is being taken by them and if we start sensing that it's having a counterproductive effect then we need to change change approach change strategies does it make sense thank you yes welcome to yes prabhu uh prabhu ji sometimes uh, we see that in a congregation we have uh, many devotees who are very very sincere at their services and very extremely consistent um in in doing their services and also excellent in doing their services but with consistency and excellence also comes the sense of self righteousness and uh, a sense that i am indispensable in the congregation 
and 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 we see that sometimes that attitude means that they don't want to accept anybody's authority so how uh, can such a uh, uh, situation be addressed in a way that it is beneficial for the congregation as well as that devotee? Yeah. See, if some devotees are consistent, competent, dedicated in their services, then that's in one sense good for the community, but they may start feeling self-righteous and think of themselves indispensable, not take any feedback, accept anyone's authority. What do we do? Yeah. That's one of the challenges that, uh, that uh, say, there's one letter of Sri Prabhupada to one of his senior disciples. He says, now that you're a senior person, I can't instruct you. I can only give you suggestions. So when Prabhupada said that, that means if somebody's been 10, by, by that, by senior, what would mean just, Iskon started in 66. So senior would mean somebody who's 10 years in bhakti. Now we have devotees are 20, 30, 40, 50 years in bhakti. So it's natural that it, as we grow more senior, as we, whether we are advanced or not, as we grow more senior, it, it, it becomes relatively easier to give instruction than to take instructions. And especially if we are successful, then we start feeling, yeah, I know things. So to maintain a learning attitude is, is a challenge. That's why uh, one of the things that we need to emphasize in general in our discourse is, is what does humility mean? One way, I hope, to write, I hope to write a book on humility from multiple perspectives. So one, one definition of humility I find personally very helpful is, humility means being open to the possibility that what I don't know may be more important than what I know. I may know a lot, hmm, but Say, if I'm going for a program, I may know the philosophy of Krishna consciousness wonderfully. Uh, but, if I'm, I plan to speak in English, and most of the audience speaks only Hindi, then the organizer knows something which is far more important than all that I know, isn't it? So I need to be need to humble enough to, okay, tell me a little bit about the audience, you know. So that, that, no matter how much we know, there is still much that we don't know. And in some situations, what we don't know may be much more important than what we know. So that understanding of humility actually keeps us open to learning. So that's at a broad level of ethos. That yes, I may, I may be expert, but still there is much that I can learn. Now specifically, it sometimes, uh, if somebody is very senior, very expert, then it's generally inappropriate for somebody younger to discipline or correct them, and even for their equals, it may be very difficult. So maybe just to have that gravity. Why well, I was talking with one sannyasi guru, he says, we're talking about one devotee who's very brilliant, and he's also very senior leader. He says, hey, whenever we have to give him some feedback, this, this Maharaj was telling me, that we don't go alone. There are three of us go together, and then we talk with him. <laughs> so that way, because he's dedicated, he's sharp also, you know, everything that we say, he can just quickly refute. Anybody can find Shastra for justifying whatever we want. But then when the force in numbers, two, three people go together, oh, they're all thinking like this, then maybe I should take this really seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's, it's, it's difficult in general to give feedback to senior devotees. But that's one way to do it. Another way is that just give them their space to do what they're doing. 
and those devotees who can't work in that space, we create some space, some other space for those devotees so that they can also continue their service. Okay, thank you. Yes, bro, I will come to you, yeah. Hare Krishna, Chaitan uh, uh, Congratulations for giving us such nice discourses and so Thank inspiring. You. And we should not be judgmental. This is the main principle. Because we have got limited knowledge. Hmm. And by our humility, we should try to avoid the challenges and uh, work in such a way, reciprocation, that everybody is happy. It's yeah. not a good idea to just throw one person out because so-and-so is so bad, he doesn't need the association of the temple. That, that is, is false ego. So yeah. your talks were so understanding that person should not have any false ego. And we have to serve Krishna because only Krishna is unlimited. Yes, he is so. infallible, he can never make mistakes. We all are liable for mistakes. So we should not be judgmental. Thank you once again. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. There's one senior devotee who told me, you can give the mic over here, but one senior devotee who told me, you know, Prabhupada has built a house big enough for the whole world to fight. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, it might seem like a joke, but, but he had a very deep point. He said that we can fight, but we don't have to leave the house. That was the point. Sometimes within a house, people fight. You know. So, but still we don't have to leave. We can find our space and we can continue our practice of bhakti. Okay? So, yeah, true. Thank you. <laughs> yes, please. Kia ora Chaitanya uh, Charan. Is that how I pronounce it? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I love your talk. But here's my question. I feel unlistened to by one particular devotee um, on multiple occasions. So, would your advice be just stop asking them questions? Or is it because maybe I'm not understanding them? Or listening to them. If we feel unlistened by one particular devotee, what could be the reason? Is it that we are not understanding them or they're not understanding us? Well, first thing is if you feel unlistened by only one devotee, you are very special and fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As one prominent leader in our movement, he was telling me, sometimes I feel like I'm talking on a phone with nobody on the other end. <laughs> that there are many things which we feel need to be improved, but nobody seems to be taking att paying attention. So, that is just the way life is. So, my understanding would be twofold. That we try to have a candid communication with them and we say, you know, okay, that this is where I'm coming from. And then we try to understand what they're saying. Maybe we try to have some third person who understands and understand them to try to build a bridge if that relationship is very important for us. And that way we try to, try to build understanding. So understanding can sometimes be incremental. Now, two people may can come from very different backgrounds or they may, they may approaching an issue from two diff very different ways. So, sometimes it's helpful to start with even with the 1% of agreement and not focus on the 99% disagreement or differences. Because that 99% disagreement may be very easy to see. And that's what may, we may think this is what I have to fix. Yeah, but 
we need to be fixed first in that one percent agreement. And that is where what you earlier said about differences of between devotees. Sometimes what happens is that we may agree on many things. As devotees, there are so many values and purposes that we share. But what we disagree may become very prominent for us. You know, oh, you want to do this? I want to do this. You think we serve Krishna in this way? Serve Krishna in that way. Then that, that disagreement may become very prominent and that may completely overshadow or eclipse the agreement that we have, the thing that we share. So start with what we share. Maybe sometimes uh, if we feel unheard by that devotee, then just put aside the issues where we don't feel heard and focus on the issues where we can connect with the devotee and maybe build the relationship based on that and over a period of time by that as that relationship develops then they start on okay this person is not as unreasonable as I thought we will feel about that way about them and they will also feel that way about us and then we will become more ready to explore other things so it's like when we want to or we want to say walk on ice you know, we may first put our foot and see okay how slippery is this how how thin is this we put for and we okay they thin let's not go over here here it's thick enough so let me go over here and then slowly as people become adept at walking on ice then they may be able they may be light footed enough that they don't put too much weight and even when the ice is a little thin they can walk with it or on it without cracking it so we need to start with agreements and then move forward towards dealing with uh, issues that uh, there are disagreements or there is uh, incomprehension on those issues. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yes. Um, uh, Hare Krishna Prabhuji. Like uh, we often heard it multiple times, like there is something to be learned from everyone. And what if uh, we see a person who is like a board of good qualities and that we can learn from and progress further, but that person is not like-minded with us. Like, uh, and as we are starting new, so everyone <coughs> around us is like way ahead of us and we can learn a lot from them. So do we look for like like-mindedness or do we just learn from each person? Okay, it's a good question. So do we look for like-minded association or do we look to just learn from everyone? And certainly, if we can learn from everyone, that's wonderful. And uh, even somebody who is unlike-minded, we can learn from them. There's no, Prabhupada even says that we can take uh, gold from a filthy place. He says we can see good in everyone and we can learn from them. That learning attitude is, is good. Srila uh, Prabhupada even, philosophically Prabhupada criticized uh, strongly the impersonalist philosophy. But some of his managers in Bengal, he told them, he mentioned a particular impersonal organization, that management structure is good. You can visit them and learn how they manage things. So Prabhupada was that way, Saragrahi, you know, he was an essence seeker. So definitely we can learn from everyone. Having said that, the focus of my class was not so much learning from others as sharing with others. It is more of Guhyam Akhyati Pruchyati, one of the limbs of bhakti, one of the six symptoms of love in association of devotee that is called is opening our heart to others and hearing others open their heart. So we can learn from all devotees, but when it is a heart-to-heart -heart connection, we may not be able to do that with everyone. So this was so most of what I talked about today was for 
दैट गुहम आख्याति पृछति फॉर दैट एस्पेशली वी नीड लाइक माइंडेड एसोसिएशन सी वी कैन लर्न विजडम फ्रॉम एनी वन एज फ्रॉम आर कंप्लीटली अनलाइक माइंडेड पीपल ऑल्सो वी कैन लर्न बट वी मे नॉट बी एबल ओपन आर हार्ट टू दैम थैंक यू यस प्लीज वेलकम टू Hi Krishna Prabhu. Thank you very much for the wonderful class. We're very grateful for your association. I had a question on tolerance. Mm. Um, so, you know, I was wondering because sometimes we can externally tolerate, but internally it accumulates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very articulately honest. <laughs> yeah. So. Just, so we may be externally tolerating but internally the resentment may be accumulating uh, negativity may be accumulating what do we do yeah so tolerance has multiple aspects to it the one of the ways i understand tolerance is tolerance means to keep small things small so that we can focus on big things krishna says in 214 in the bhagavad gita that tamsitiksha swabharat tolerate But that same Krishna doesn't say this tolerance applies to the atrocities of the Kauravas. He says tolerate them, no need to fight. Krishna doesn't say that. He's talking about while fighting against them, when you are facing inconveniences, when you are facing discomfort, tolerate it. So the purpose of tolerance is to help us focus on our duties, our responsibilities, on the things that are important for us. But if uh, say say if we are hearing a class. and maybe somebody behind is making some noise maybe they're typing something on their phone and we are hearing the clicking sound maybe our sense of hearing is very acute so now that that is an annoyance but maybe we can just move a little bit aside or maybe then i mean there's a the type for a few minutes and stops we can focus on hearing the class but if the person sitting next to us is talking loudly on the phone and then he say i'll tolerate well that is not tolerance that is with all due respects that that's passivity that is bordering on stupidity we have come to a class to hear the class that is the important thing so if we can't hear the class itself then that is not tolerance now once i was giving a class and in the middle of the class the sound system stopped working and somehow i was so caught in the class i didn't realize the sound system was stopped working and most of the audience couldn't hear the class and nobody spoke anything but slowly i started noticing that people were looking at their watches people were looking at each other looking at the door now those are three good signs you know if people look at the watch <laughs> people look at the door and people look at each other too frequently that means the speaker is losing the audience then i asked uh, is there any problem and nobody responded to that then i realized there is a problem <laughs> <laughs> then they, then I, they said you know we can't hear you the sound system has gone off he says uh, why didn't why didn't you tell me he says you know uh, we thought we should tolerate <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that is not tolerance so <laughs> so we have to see what are the important things in our life and yes sometimes some devotees may be behaving in a way which just creates negativity in us and sometimes we can work out issues with them we talk with them you know this maybe not at that time when the temperature is high but later on when they are calmer we talk with them and we try to resolve the issue but sometimes if we can't 
then women just need to vent to someone else. And if a devotee is venting their heart or venting their grievances, it shouldn't be that others say, hey, you're committing an offense, shut up. Not like that. We need a forum where guhyam akhyati pruchyati, that happens. That means, that is where judgmentality is not required. So, so, we need some place where we can process the emotions of our heart. That could be ourselves, we may journal and we may try to analyze and try to come to some philosophical understanding. Or we may talk with somebody, we may talk with that devotee. Or if it is becoming too much, we may decide that you know, I, I need to serve, but I need some distance between this devotee and that devotee. So we may have to shift our service or whatever. So yeah, if it keeps accumulating, see the test of if we are really tolerating, that means that thing happens, we tolerate it, and it doesn't create a permanent scar on us. But it's creating a scar that is worsening, worsening. Then that kind of tolerance will not be very healthy. Say so if, uh, basically, tolerance means we are able to, you could say, forget and forgive and move on. And sometimes we say, we should do that, but sometimes it's just not possible because it's just so annoying for us. So if we are keeping a, keeping a scorecard of how many times I have tolerated, and then we are waiting, you know, like, uh, like uh, Krishna was waiting. 101 times Shishupal curse, then <laughs> we had the person. So then we are tolerating, tolerating till a particular point is reached and then we explode. That's not so healthy. Okay, thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Um, now, I was hearing about initially about your um, class when you're saying there's a difference between questioning and doubting and uh, so how do uh, we deal with the person who's in that mood of basically doubting so from I've okay. heard about your growth but then if we are faced with a situation who's uh, of a person who's in that situation so how do we try to because I know of a person who has been from one Bhakti Viksha uh, group to another Bhakti Viksha group. Just keeping, and in every class, he just keeps asking these sort of questions. It seems to the speaker that he's more trying to be argumentative. Mm. Um, but I know the person, he himself is having low confidence. And he likes to project himself as if he is a person who knows. But basically, mm. he doesn't have a good knowledge. Um, he's having a good heart, but I feel his problem is coming from low uh, confidence. Okay. How to deal with this? Yeah, so if somebody keeps asking the same questions in different uh, groups, different speakers, and they seem to come off as argumentative, but if you feel that they have good heart, and uh, but they have low self-confidence because of which they're projecting some... Uh, uh, projecting their own sense of uh, superiority while they have a sense of inferiority inside through argumentativeness, what do we do? Well, generally speaking, such issues are best not dealt publicly. That means if somebody is asking, we know that somebody is a, is a problem person. Hmm? I, was, I was at one temple and that, that the organizers came and told me before the class, you know, there's this person who asks questions, if he raises his hand, don't point to him. <laughs> so, I said, why? You know, he says, that person will take the bike and not surrender the bike for the rest of them. <laughs> Just ask a long question and then immediately another question, another question. He said, if you want to spend time, spend time with them privately. 
So that's one thing that is best dealt with privately. On a one-to-one -one level, sometimes it is just that if that person develops a little appreciation or trust in, a, in somebody, it's okay, yeah, this person this is a good person. And that will generally not happen in a class. Because in a class, although the speaker is answering that person, the speaker also has to keep everybody else in mind. And that's why at a one-to-one level, we try to deal with them. And then we try to more the, we address the answers as much as we can, but we try to understand that person as much as we possible. And we may need a, some particular teacher, preacher who has, who, has the, who has the necessary patience or who has the time to invest in that person. And some, if that is not happening, if even after that, uh, that person is not, still continues to be argumentative, then you know, we may have to wait. We don't have to reject that person, but we may have, their evolution may take some time. We just have to wait things out. That means that, uh, see, Dhritarashtra, Vidura spoke to Dhritarashtra wisdom so many times. Dhritarashtra was not a bad person, but he was attached to a bad person. And because of that, the wisdom didn't just register, just didn't register. So Vidura, eventually when he came back, at that time, after Duryodhana had been killed, and the Dhritarashtra had become old, that is the time Vidura's words registered. We sometimes say Vidura is an example of sharp speech, cutting the illusions of the attached people. True, but though that same speech didn't, didn't illuminate or cut earlier. So sometimes this time is needed. So we just have to be patient. Shri Prabhupada, he, who can be a purer devotee than Prabhupada, but even he, it didn't lead to, at that time, much uh, impact in India. And even when he brought his Western disciples, even that didn't lead to much impact and other people become committed. But 20 years later, I think from 1985, around 1989, 87, 88 onwards, oh, it just India, India changed. There could be various reasons for that, but Indians started becoming very, very committed outside India, inside India, and our movement is now powered by Indians. So sometimes we just have to wait for the right time to come. Okay, thank you. Yes, last question. Yeah. Hi, Krishna Prabhuji. I have one question that why do we have so many di different desires from time to time? Why do we have so many different desires from time to time? Like, can I ask, why do people have so many different questions from time to time? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because we are all individuals and we respond to situations. So, as conscious beings, because we are conscious beings, we perceive different things. And sometimes this, seems, this thing seems desirable, sometimes that, things, that thing seems desirable. So we have many desires. And we can't, uh, we can't uh, expect that we will not have desires. We can't even expect that we won't have changing desires. But what we can do is create a framework or a hierarchy for our desires. That means I may desire a hundred things and those hundred things may also keep changing. But these things are important for me. So I invest my time, energy and say this thing. Say if I'm a student, I need to study. If I am a professional, then I need to learn my skills so that I can be good enough at my job. 
if I am practicing bhakti, then I have to have some time for chanting. And I may like to hear this class, I may like to do this kirtan, I may like to do that. We may have, but we may have worldly desires, we may have spiritual desires. They will just come. And it's not that all of them, we can't fulfill all of them, but we can't repress all of them also. But if we have a hierarchy of desires, these are important things. And after these are done, then I can do this. Then we won't be swept away by our desires. Krishna uses the word in the Bhagavad Gita, na kama kami. In 270 he says, that means don't be a desirer of desires. That means a desire comes in from outside, but that doesn't mean we have to act on it. So a desire comes in as a proposition, but that does not have to become an intention. So many desires will come in from outside. It's like if you go to a supermarket, you know, we see hundreds of items over there. Electronic items, food items, toys, these things. So you could say every one of them is like a desire popping into us. I want this, I want this, I want this. But you know, not everything translates into intention. Not that I have to buy this or I have to get this. So that way we learn to, it's just human nature that we will have different desires. But if you have a hierarchy of desires, then because we have some important desires to say yes to, then we can say no to the other desires relatively easily. But if you don't have some higher desires to say yes to, Say if we go to a supermarket and we have no plan what we are going to buy. And then we might see, see some toy and you say, hey, you know, it's a nice toy. And we spend $100 on toy itself, toy itself. But if you know, okay, I've got $100 and I have to buy this, this satchel, I've got to buy this book, I have to buy this pen, I have to buy this. And then those are important things for me. And then if I have some money left, then I'll buy this. But otherwise not now. So we need to have first we need to know which are our important desires and then we need to focus on saying yes to them. Then other desires won't disturb us so much. Okay? So thank you very much. Prantra Srimad Bhagavatam ki, Srila Prabhupada ki, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki, Tai Gaur Premanande. So, sorry for this long question answer. Today was my last class, so I thought I tried to address some questions. Hare Krishna. Oh, my God.
कृष्णा चैतन्ना